At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Habits, Ancient Practices for Today's World, where we'll learn to reject culture's endless stream of quick fixes for God's time-tested truth. Together, we'll rediscover age-old practices that draw us to Him, where true satisfaction awaits. And uh, how's everyone this morning? This is the 930 crowd, so you guys love mornings. Where's the energy? All right. I am not a morning person. Those of you that are online, welcome. Um, I'm not a morning person, but uh, it's just good to be here and join with you guys and be a part of what God's doing out here. I remember coming into this place and praying over this place before any of this stuff was constructed. And uh, just the renovations and to see all that's going on, see volunteers, see people that are serving. It's just such a blessing. And uh, I'm really grateful and thankful for that. Um, I'm a different kind of speaker, and um, you'll find that out really fast. Uh, first off, what I want to do is I want you to all stand up. Yep, just all stand up. And what we're going to do, um, first off, I want to just say, are you thankful that at least in this state, we are seeing the coronavirus minimized and hopefully going away. Man, I, I, to me, I'm like shouting from the rooftops like, thank you, God, that we can actually gather together. And for some, they're still wearing masks. I totally respect that. Others aren't. Um, I got my vaccination. I couldn't look at the needle to save my life. I just looked the other way and said, please talk to me about anything so that I can get my mind off of what's about to happen. Um, and that needle was not that big. Um, anyway, but what I want you to do in these next few moments, I want you to find someone you don't know, and I want you to say hi to them, okay? Now, here's the reason why. First off, we've gone through a long period of time where we haven't been able to do this, and I, I know today we did it for a few seconds, but I want to take a little bit longer time and give you a little bit of moments to just say hi to some people around you and introduce yourself. The reason that we're here is because we're a family, and if we're a family and we don't know people in the family, we want to try to get to know them. So let's take a few moments and say hi to people, ask them what their name is and where they come from, and then we're going to jump into the message together. How you doing? So good to see you. Good to see you. And the here. Uh, Mackenzie and John and Joni are serving. Oh, cool. Good. It's good to see you. All right. I love hearing all this energy. It's uh, it's good to just be able to, to do that together. Isn't that nice? Now let me ask you, are you excited to be here today? That was a little, all right, we're getting there, we're getting there, all right. Um, yeah, we're talking about habits, and I get this opportunity to speak to you today and share a little bit of my heart that resonates with me a lot, 
and something that I think is really, really important to me. Now, we're going to go right into something else that's really new um, to most of you. We're going to have you close your eyes. I'm all, of an inter- I'm all about interaction. Um, I come from Detroit, so I'm all about interaction. By the way, if you hear something you like that God's speaking to you, you want to say amen, you can just shout out amen. It actually helps me preach better. Um, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'll close our eyes. We're going to take a minute of just utter silence. And um, I want everybody to just actually be in stillness and quiet. And we'll give you guys one minute, and then we'll continue on with the service. It's a long period of time, isn't it? <laughs> it does it feel awkward to anybody in here, or is everybody is everybody all cool with it? A- actually, half of you just fell asleep. Um, you're just like that was the best moment of church I've ever had in my life. God spoke to me and just said, "Stay, stay asleep." Um, I, I think what's really unique about life and what we're going to really be discussing today is really, really critical. On Tuesday, or on Monday, which is my day off, I actually went out for a walk, and I spent about two and a half hours uh, just walking and exploring, and um, went down by this little creek, spent some time walking, but didn't really talk for the whole two and a half hours. I was by myself, uh, spent some time reading, um, but most of it was just not talking, and it's just odd. Like, I got back after the two and a half hours, and it was like, man, I didn't utter a word to anybody. There was nobody around. It was just me, and there was no discussion. It was just me spending time with the Lord. But I want to tell you, it was so stilling to my soul and refreshing to me. Have you ever done this? Do you do this? Have you ever spent time in solitude and stillness with God? I feel like it's something, thank you, thank you. I feel like this is something that we, I don't know if we've ever caught on to it or ever grasped it or something that we've just stayed away from. But I think silence and solitude is a very, very critical, important habit that we need to adopt and we need to live out in our life. And today we want to look at this and the reality of this. Because I believe that today, in the world that we live in, busyness is kind of like a badge of honor for many of us. Our work is what drives us into what we do and who we are. Our identity is what we do. 
not who we are. My job is linked to my identity. My work, the more I work, the harder I work, actually communicates to other people that I'm valuable. Instead of being able to communicate to people and say, it's more than, it's more than my value to my work, my value is in who I am. My value is in who I am. Can I get an amen? Yeah, like my value is not driven by work, but we live in a society today where work just pushes us, pushes us. We live in a crazy world right now that's so busy. It's screaming for attention. All these things that are like coming at us a million miles an hour, and we wake up the next day, and we expect it to be faster. I'm going to get more stuff done in less time. Even today, we're probably thinking about that. You close your eyes and you think about what's next today. Can we actually be in the moment for this period of time and actually allow God to speak to us? One of the ways we're going to do that, and one of the ways that I think is the biggest battle, is this piece right here. Does anybody have one of these? Can you pull it out for a second? Because I know you probably have it. Just pull it out. Some of you might use it for your Bible, um, so I'll give, you, I'll give you an okay on that. But what we're going to do is we're going to shut these things off, okay? Um, do you know how to shut it off? First off, some of you have never shut off your phone, okay? For some of you, it's different, um, but I want you to shut your phone off. I want you to actually, like, take a moment and just shut it off. And for some of you, this is going to kill you, but you're going to do it. It's okay. Just shut it off. Just put it away. Hide it. Flip it over. Shut it off and flip it over so just in case somehow Satan turns it back on, um, you don't even notice. Because I want to talk today about the habit of solitude. Now, the definition of solitude... I have, uh, I want to just read this a little bit for you guys by Ruth Haley Barton. And I want you guys to actually see what this says because I think it's a powerful, powerful thing. And we have it up here on the screen. Solitude is an opportunity, it's an opportunity to interrupt the cycle by turning off the noise and stimulation of our lives so that we can hear our loneliness and our longing that's calling us deeper into the only relationship that can satisfy our longing. I think it's interesting that it says, and what struck me is that we can hear our loneliness. This is why people do not spend time in solitude, because it doesn't bring you to a place, it, 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 you don't want to be brought to a place where loneliness stares you right in the face. You don't want to be brought to a place. I don't want to be brought to a place where I actually have to think about the things in my life that truly matter and the things that I need to actually improve on and the relationships that aren't the way they need to be and allow God to speak to me. See, busyness is the enemy's sly way of kind of keeping you away from intimacy and closeness with the Father. C.S. Lewis said this, we live, in fact, in a world starved for solitude, silence, and private. 
And therefore, we're starved for meditation and true friendship. This was actually written in 1941. Nineteen forty-one. This is long before cell phones, long before really technology kicked in. This is long, long, long before any of that. And C.S. Lewis is saying, we see, I see the reality for solitude to be present in our lives. And so we want to look at the story of Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 1. And we're going to look a little bit together at how Jesus practices this. What better example for us to see this than to see this through Jesus? In Mark 1, it's very interesting. We're going to look at a little of the context before we settle into the passage. But Mark 1, verse 32, I want to just read this because this passage speaks so... I love this passage. When I was getting ready to study solitude, I'm like, man, this passage is the passage I think incorporates the best example of it from Jesus. But if we look at Mark 1, verse 32, we kind of like find um, what's going on as we draw in and we'll focus on verses 35 through 39. But if you look at verse 32, it says this, at evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Let's just hold up for a second right there. The whole city was at the door. Now, how big is Lake Orion? How many people are in Lake Orion? One? Oh, oh no, okay. How many? 27,000. How old are you? How old are you? 13. Man, I'm so awesome, thankful that a 13-year-old knows how many people and the rest of you don't. Can you imagine the whole town showing up at your door? I mean, that would be absolutely nuts. And now what I'm not thinking that this town back in this period of time as you study it is necessarily that big. Towns are smaller. But the whole town shows up at the door. And it says here, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases. I think it's interesting it says many. It doesn't say all. And, it cast out, and he cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. The power of Jesus to actually be able to heal and cast out demons, and the whole city is gathered at the door. All these people are watching him. All these people are bringing people that are sick, and he's actually healing, and his power is such an, it, it, his influence is so powerful in that moment that demons can't even speak. He wouldn't let them speak. This is Jesus, our Savior. This is the power of a one who's being led by the Spirit of God. Now today, with talking about solitude, the main idea that we want to look at is that spiritual solitude is disconnection from the world so that we can connect with God. And here we're just going to look at a few different ways that Jesus Jesus models that. Looking at verse 35, as we see what Jesus does in verse 35. He shows us the need for solitude. 
It says, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. First of all, we see the need for solitude here. And the demand for Jesus is so huge. Thinking about a whole town showing up at your door, he's actually going to take a moment to rest. And what's amazing is it says that he gets up here very early in the morning while it's still dark. And what he does is he goes and spends time with his father. I would have wanted to sleep in. My body is going to be speaking to me and saying, you just healed all these people, cast out demons. Let's just sleep in with the disciples, and then we'll start the next day of ministry. But Jesus gets up very early in the morning while it's still dark, and what does he want to do? He wants to feed his soul. See, his body is screaming out, I'm sure, saying, man, I want rest. But his soul is saying, I need to be fed, and I need to spend time with the Father. And so what does he do? He gets up early and he kind of takes off. And by the way, Jesus loves, I I wrote this down, Jesus actually loves to get away. (laughs) Luke 5.16, it says Jesus withdrew to a solitude place. Jesus loves to get away from all the activity. Now, I'm the kind of person, I'm an introvert, so, I mean, I do like to be around people, but where I get fueled is when I have to be more so by myself to just kind of slow down. So these kind of things really do help me to be able to say, hey, I need time to block out people and stuff and spend time alone with Jesus. And Jesus is actually spending time alone with his Father. This quote by Henry Nouwen, I think, says it so in such a powerful way. It says, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Let me just say that again. Without solitude, it is impossible, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. A lot of times we'll spend time with God and the entire time we're talking to him. And there's nothing against prayer, but actually prayer is not just talking, it's listening. And to listen, what do you have to stop doing? What? Talk. You can't talk and listen at the same time. People say they can, they can't. You can't talk and listen at the same time because when you're talking, you're trying to get a point across. Instead of when you're listening, you're trying to listen to the point that's getting across to you. And so Jesus here is spending time with his Father. We desperately need, guys, time in solitude where we get alone with the Father to listen to him in stillness. Secondly, the practice of solitude. And we find it here in verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it's still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. The reality here is we see this external and internal solitude. 
The external part is that it says he got up very early in the morning. Now, we're not saying that solitude is directly tied to getting up very early in the morning. Thank you, Jesus. And we know that because Jesus actually got away to the Garden of Gethsemane at night. Thank you, Jesus. Because I love to get into solitude more in the evening and more in other parts of the day. The morning doesn't necessarily connect with me. But many times, Jesus did get up in the morning when it was still, when it was quiet, and spent time with the Father. And so we see here, it's dark. It's it, like he just, he departs, he leaves. He doesn't tell his disciples where he's going, and he goes out to a desolate place. The Greek word here actually means like a desert or a deserted place, a place of loneliness, a place where he is not going to feel loved by people around him. The only love that he's going to get is from the Father to him. That's why the quote at the beginning that this opportunity with solitude to feel loneliness actually draws us closer to the Savior than it does push us away from him. It goes on then. That's the external part. But then it says here that it says, and there he prayed. That's the internal. Now, once again, prayer isn't just communicating with the Father. It wasn't that he was just talking to the Father, but that the Father was talking to him. And a couple of years ago, I got to go to Israel with a group of people. Did anybody go on that trip to Israel that was here, or has anybody been to Israel before? Um, there's a place called the Garden of Gethsemane that I was just mentioning, and we went to that place. It was so beautiful. They say that the olive trees that are still there in the Garden of Gethsemane very well could have been the ones that were there when Jesus was there. And I remember uh, Pastor Doug Schmidt saying, I want to give you guys space and time to just spend time in stillness with the Father in that place. It was one of the moments in that trip that very, very much spoke to me, thinking about being in that place with God and for Jesus, what that meant to him. Because not far from where we were, you could literally see see the city of Jerusalem that was just up the hill where he knew that he was going to be going to give his life. See, the reality was is that he knew in that moment, spending time with the Father, that his soul needed that because his soul would refresh his body because he knew that he was going to need strength of what he was going to be going into. And that's the reality here that we see is that the external and the internal are so critically tied together. Guys, if you don't spend time in solitude, I would encourage you this week to find a place that you can get quiet with God. And for those of you that are married, um, tell your spouse, don't bother me. If, if I die there and, and I have a heart attack, then so be it. Don't bother me. I'm spending time alone with the Father. I'm going to be still and be quiet, and I don't need to hear your voice. 
Maybe it's in a closet in your house. Maybe it's actually on the back porch. Maybe it's that you just go out for a walk. Maybe it's that you drive to a place that you know you can be alone and you know no one's going to bother you. That's the external part. Then there's the internal part of solitude where you quiet your soul and you communicate with the Father. Jesus had both of these, and we need both of these as we think about the reality of how we practice solitude. Practice means that it doesn't just necessarily become a habit. It's going to have to be something that you work on day in and day out or work on, man, I'm going to start out that, you know, one day a week I'm going to try to get after this. And, and to me, I know every day we might not be able to spend the solitude um, that we'd like to, but the fact that we begin to discipline ourselves, because that's really what we're talking about in this series, is spiritual disciplines. If we can do this, I believe our spiritual lives go to another level. I remember going to Canada for a week uh, to portage and hike. Does anybody know what portaging is? It's where you take a canoe that weighs about a million pounds and you put it on your shoulders with another partner that doesn't carry as much weight as you do. We went for a week. We were supposed to pack as lightly as we could. And the guy that, of course, I get hooked up with is the guy that has literally hairspray in his backpack. I mean, it's a group of soccer players and we're going on a week-long um, we're going on a week-long trip, and this guy's got hairspray. He never lived it down for the rest of his college career, um, and as well he should. But I remember at the end of the trip, they said, you're all going to get a solo day. And I got the privilege of being able to go out to this island where they took me out on this boat or canoe, and they dropped me off, and I was there for like eight hours. And all I had was the clothes that I had on in my Bible in a journal. And I was like so amazed to get an opportunity to do this. I walked around this little deserted island for probably the first hour. And there was nobody. There was no sound out where we were. We were in Algonquin National Park. There's no sound. There's no cars. There's nothing. And I remember just walking around and then just sitting and just taking in the view and taking in the silence. Like, these are the things that our soul craves. You don't even know how deeply your soul craves this. All I can think about is, like, how hungry my body gets Take that and multiply it so much more with your soul. So uh, the last thing that I want to look at here today from this view of Jesus and how he looks at solitude is found in verse 36 to 39. We see what this does to him. It says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. See, the disciples wake up, see that Jesus is nowhere to be find, found, and they've got to literally go find him because the town is back actually waiting for him, and everybody wants to know where Jesus is. 
Have you ever lived in your life where people are trying to track you down? Hello? Yes, like one or two or five. Or you wake up in the morning and there's texts waiting for you saying, where are you? We need you here. This is an emergency. Please show up at this time. Are we still meeting today? Are we having dinner tonight? There's people all over the, the world and in this town. It's just constant, constant, constant demands. Please, we need you. 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 And our lives then just become driven by the needs of people. It's people that make us who we are. They push us. They drive us. They demand stuff from us. They want us to be a certain way. This is the thing that turns us in from being human to being a machine. And it steals and kills our soul. And Jesus is experiencing it right here in this moment. But look what he says. Verse 38, he says, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. This is so fascinating to me and blows my mind because from a social media and, and mentality uh, that the world lives in right now in gaining momentum, especially when it comes to church. It, if you have all of these people following you, that momentum, wouldn't you want to keep that momentum going? Like, wouldn't you want to be like, wow, I did all of this ministry yesterday. All of these people are waiting for me today. I want to continue this momentum, and God's opened the door for me, and this is what I need to do. But it's almost as if Jesus knew the demands of what he was going to be stepping into is not where the Father wanted him. And he spent time with the Father, and the Father said, it's time to move on. The disciples are shocked because, to me, he even told them, he's like, if someone rejects you, you take your sandals and you shake the dust off. Here, Jesus has these people that are following him and want to spend time with him. And what does he do? He gets out of town. Have any of you ever gotten out of town before? Is that the most beautiful thing ever? Like some people aren't here today, and not that they're less spiritual, but they went up north. Like for some odd reason, up north is like the Mecca gathering of all of Michigan. It's like that's where you find God. Now get, I, don't, I don't deny that God is up there. It's beautiful. I, I've been up there. But there's something about when you just leave that you get your perspective back. And not only does Jesus go back and realize what the Father's call, been calling him to and his purpose, but he also is empowered then to go and do that. Because he even says here, we're going to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus spent time with the Father because he needed to be driven back to the why, not the what. See, we, we see life as humans so easily driven by the what. What's today going to hold? What's today? What's do, what do I have to do today? Instead of what's my purpose from the Father for me? How can I please people 
But ultimately, my goal is to please the Father. See, people will always want you to please them. Do you know that? People always want you to please them. They always want you to make them happy. That is the driving force. The Father doesn't need you to make him happy. You are his child. If you know Jesus Christ, you are his child, and he's the one that wants to spend time with you so that he can redirect and refocus your heart so that you remember why you're on the earth, your purpose, who you are, not what you do. I think many times we just don't want to go to the wilderness because we think the wilderness is the place of weakness. When in reality, John Comer, when he's speaking about this, is saying, man, it's not the place of weakness, it's the place of strength. Because you truly come to a place with the Father where he speaks and you realize that that's where your true strength comes from. I, I, I don't know, but people... People have such spiritually, and I think we've even seen this over the last year, year and a half, people spiritually have just such shallow lives. And I think the shallowness of spirituality that we've just seen in America and in the world comes because we don't take time to spend with the Father in stillness and solitude with him. I, this year, have been in my time with the Lord, which, man, I'm so, I, I have to work so hard at this. I am not the best at this in the sense of every day purposing in my heart that I need to spend time with Jesus. But I do this practice called Lectio Divina. Have you ever heard of this before? It's, it actually means like sacred reading or divine reading. But what it is, is you open the word of God, you get into it, you get to a silent place, you spend time alone, you prepare your heart, and then you read a passage of scripture. But before you read it, you ask God to speak to you and reveal to you a phrase or a verse in the passage that he's wanting to just make known to you. And then you just take time and you pray over that and you ask God, God, why is this verse important and why is this verse sticking out and why are you revealing this to me and what does it mean for me and how do I need to change my life as a result of that? But throughout the whole time of Lectio Divinas, you actually have to just spend time in silence processing each thing. For me, that's the hardest part because I'm like, okay, I want to read it, and okay, oh, yep, there's the verse I see, and okay, this is what I need to do, and all right, now I'm going to move on. I'm going to move out to the next thing I got to do today. When in reality, God is actually saying, I want to just spend time with you. Would you just listen and let me speak? I want to encourage us today. I don't know where you find yourself. If you find yourself spiritually in a shallow space and period of time in your life, or maybe God's blessing you abundantly, in either place, the reality and this understanding that we need to be people 
that have spiritual habits and solitude is so critical. So I want to encourage us in this today. What is it externally that you need to remove and move around so that you can get time alone? And what does it internally look like for you to be able to still your heart and your soul so that God can speak to you? That's my challenge to us today, to myself as well as to all of us, that this would become, if it's not a habit, it would become a habit that transforms and changes our life. Let's pray together. Jesus, we have many things that we need to get done. And God, you've placed us in amazing families with amazing jobs and amazing lives that we're blessed in so, so many ways. But the reality is, God, all of those blessings and all of those schedules can totally pull us and distract us away from you. I pray that as a church, Woodside as a whole would not become a place where people want to do more instead of focus on being what God's called them to be. I pray that we would be a church and a community that focuses more on honoring and pleasing the Father than pleasing the needs of people. Thank you for your word and thank you for Jesus that, that lived this out for us to be able to understand and be able to put into practice in our lives. Help us now, God. Help me to make this a practice so that I can see the transforming work of your spirit in me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.